Welcome back to Moms After Bedtime. Uh, this is Brooke, and I'm here with Mandy and Megan. Hey. Hey. Megan just got out a huge <laughs> yawn, so she's real excited to be here. Um, we're at episode 12. Yay! I'm so excited. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. I feel like we got a, a, the ball rolling. We kind of know what we're doing-ish. Um, so, yeah, today we're going to talk about mental health, and we all are going to share kind of our our own stories and journeys through mental health and things that we've been through in our lives. Um, and yeah, so why don't we start with some wine? Uh, Mandy, you want to go? Sure. All right. So uh, this last week, if you follow us on Instagram, it was my, well, a couple weeks ago now, um, my takeover week. And I shared that we did our sonohistography. I don't remember the full name, but it's where they shoot saline up in your uterus. It was very uncomfortable. But um, a little bit of cheese in with this wine is that that turned out to be totally fine. Um, and we got the okay to move ahead with uh, our uh, frozen transfer cycle, which is super, super Ooh, exciting. Nice. The wine of this is that we had to pay for it. And it was, because I'm going to be super transparent, it was $4,800. And, yep, nothing is covered by insurance here in Maine and by our jobs. So that was straight out of pocket, and then that's without the medication. So, uh, I mean, thankfully, this because we're doing a frozen transfer, I don't have to do all the belly shot drugs. Those are the really, really expensive ones. So, thankfully, the, the drugs is time will probably just be a couple hundred dollars instead of a couple thousand but regardless it's still like a huge blow to our wallet and it was just really sad paying that is that the bill for um just the transfer just the transfer i mean it does so all like your blood work that you had to get done your appointments that you had and your histo whatever ish thingy um are those all separately billed too? Or does your insurance cover that? Those are technically covered. I know the blood work and stuff is technically covered because it's almost like, um, how do they explain it? Kind of like... Preventative care? Yeah, like preventative care, I guess. Okay. Like upkeep, like they're checking my hormone levels. Even if I had to pay for those, it wouldn't be super expensive. Um, but I don't have to pay for those. Like our insurance does cover that. It's just a copay. But um, the four, $4,800 covers the transfer itself, but also like everything they do that goes with it. So the, um, like I have to get, I think two or three days of blood work, two or three days of internal ultrasounds where they check my lining and, um, make sure I don't have any cysts and things like that. And, um, then when they do the transfer, they thaw the embryo and they do something called assisted hatching. So like the embryo is like, it's got like this little like wall around it and it's like, they basically poke a hole in the wall. So the embryo starts to hatch and it supposedly makes it um, more likely that it will implant. So all that stuff together and then the transfer itself and then the pregnancy test 10 days later, which is a blood test. um, That's all part of the $4,800, but it's still $4,800. Yeah, no, it's still a lot of money. Having a kid is a lot of money anyway never mind right. having to upfront right to pay for one before like, it's even I mean and, and nothing is you know set in stone guaranteed yeah. may not work so it's a lot to throw out there and then 
um, come December. So we did our IVF round in December, whatever it was, what, 2018 now. Um, and so now every sep- December we have to pay to keep all of our embryos frozen. Oh. So, yeah. So, and Phil and I were talking like no matter what we're going to pay again. So we would, you know, we obviously we paid last year because we knew that we wanted more babies. So we have two frozen right now. And now we're going to do this transfer. And even if I get pregnant, we're definitely going to pay for that third one because one, we don't really know, like we really want two kids, but what if, you know, what if we decide that we'll have a third or, you know, what if, even if I get pregnant, you know, what if I miscarry or something? So mm-hmm. we want to definitely have, keep that third one frozen. So that's another $600, you know, right in time for Christmas. Cause we literally transferred uh. two days after Christmas. So <laughs> it's just, it adds up. It's just, you know, the financial piece of infertility is a real bummer. Do you have like a more definite timeline now though? Like set up? Cause now that you're like, yep, we're good to go. Yeah. So that's true. We have, we know for sure that we're transferring next cycle. So I get my period. I go in for blood work and I start taking estrogen vaginally. Super fun. fun. (laughs) Yeah. Why do it by mouth, you know? And then (laughs) honestly, this is like getting off topic, but when they were first like trying to figure out how to treat like the HG, I had to do like a vaginal suppository of well, I had to do an anal suppository too, and that was Ooh. no thank you. But both, <laughs> both, both ways. Just why can't it just pill works for me? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we did when I did IUIs. We did um, vaginal uh, progesterone, but honestly, it's it's as much as I hate needles, I rather do the butt shots than the vaginal suppositories. So, but um, but yeah, so we have to do that, and then I it'll be like. I think it's six days after I ovulate or something like that. Um, we go in for the transfer. So it's looking like it would be like the third-ish week in October. Nice. So, yeah. So, yeah, we do have a pretty definite timeline. So that's, I mean, that's, that's a lot of cheese in with the wine. Yeah, it is. But still, it that's expensive. <laughs> it right. is. Megan, what's your wine? Oh, uh, my wine is... A pregnancy related, I guess. Well, actually, yes, it absolutely is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, next week, um, I finally have to go for my one-hour glucose test. Mm. And aside from hearing everybody complain about how gross it is, like the drink, um, mm. I am just nervous because I read a list of like, what factors play into you having gestational diabetes? And I was like, oh my god, I have... Almost every single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Is there really like predictability to that though? I didn't think there was, but then I read like my app had a thing. Are your chances increased for gestational diabetes? And I was like, all right, I guess so. I guess your chances could be increased, but it's not like a definite definite. thing. And also correlation does not equal causation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thanks ryan <laughs> um i actually did not think the drink was bad at all it tastes like flat orange either. soda i don't did think you know, i thought it was kind of yeah i thought it tasted kind of good actually oh i mean i yeah. like orange gatorade and i've heard that it tastes like that so yeah i bet you like it okay. i mean yeah, it, i guess it was good i don't know if you get you're obviously nauseous all the time so all that sugar might make you your stomach hurt yeah, what do you do if you throw it up? Do you have to like go back? I have again? no idea. I think I remember like people in my due date group saying that that happened to them, but I don't remember like 
if they had to do it again, I don't know. You're just like, all right, well, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you passed. Um, but like one of the things was if you people in your family have a history of diabetes and literally my mom's entire side of the family has type 2 diabetes pretty much every single person so i'm like oh if it makes you feel any better my grandfather had diabetes my nana had diabetes and my aunt has diabetes and there's four of us girls and only one out of the four had gestational diabetes so 25 percent that's pretty good (laughs) that's the statistic right there (laughs) <laughs> spread the word <laughs> spread the word <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's a small line but we'll yeah see. it's not that bad I actually made our friend Taylor come sit with me because I was nervous about like the blood draw I hate getting my blood drawn so I was like yeah. please come sit with me because I'm gonna be scared the whole time <laughs> so <laughs> she was nice and she did and we hung out for a little while my wine this week is so dumb um but it relates to last my um, cheese last week. So last week my cheese was that I treated myself to a new pair of like fancy Levi wedgie jeans. Yes. Um, and so they're supposed to come Friday. And then all of a sudden the tracking was like, never mind. It's not coming and we don't know when it's going to be there. And then they arrived today and I was so excited. And uh I could like barely get them up over my fat ass. So uh, I ordered the wrong size, but I literally <laughs> followed their size chart, their size chart, because they have the stupid, I don't know, you know how like American jeans are like six, eight, 10, 12. Oh, yeah. And then mm. is it European sizing? I don't know. It's like, like 27, 28, yeah. 29, 30. So I followed the stupid chart. I should have known better because women's clothing sizes are so fucked up and so like un what's the word I'm looking for like they're not consistent yeah Yeah, there's no consistency I was gonna say you probably actually bought the right size like according to what you the chart yeah but like I actually it was funny that it happened because I just watched a TikTok like two days ago and it was a woman comparing literally the same brand of jean in the same size but different like cuts or styles and every single pair of jeans in that same exact size and brand but different style was a different like the waist was a different um like length or or width or whatever so yeah it's so frustrating that we don't even know like what size we are because I always buy my jeans from the same places so I'm pretty consistently I know what sizes I need but here I go getting them from a new place and they were, yeah, barely even fit. So I did all. I'm going to return them. It's just very frustrating because I was so excited to see how my wedgie butt looked. <laughs> <laughs> I was also very excited. The yeah, wedgie so saga good. continues. Although I did ask you at Isla's birthday party if you were wearing your wedgie jeans. <laughs> I, I know. know. That was offensive <laughs> or not, but because you were. <laughs> good thing. <laughs> Uh, no that's that's my life so how about some cheeses mandy so our cheese or i say our it is for all of us um if you again follow us on instagram obviously you need to be following us on instagram because you're missing out on a lot if you're not Mm -hmm. but um we had isla's birthday party this weekend and my brother number one fan (laughs) he's brought up almost every single episode so i was sitting on the ground 
uh, taking pictures and he's like, hey, hey, Mandy, take a picture of me and Phil. Take a picture of me and Phil. And I look up and he's wearing a shirt with our logo on it, the Moms After Bedtime logo on it. And I was like, wait, what? Huh? And then he turns around and it says number one fan on it. And I just thought it was the freaking coolest thing. I was so excited. And then he surprised all of us with our own shirts. So we finally have our own little official team merch merch going on. Uh, We had... uh, I thought because he messaged me to get like the original file. I thought he was making you like a Christmas present or something. Like Aww. I didn't know like what. Well, that was nice. That- Apparently he so reached nice. out to Phil too for like some size info and things like that. So they did a good job. It was definitely a good surprise. Someone reached out to Shane and asked him what size I was. I think Phil must have reached out to Ryan probably too, Phil. But yeah. Uh, yeah, because Shane was like, I totally guessed. I was like, I just told you my, my sizes for Mother's Day when you bought me loungewear. So <laughs> You got to remember this stuff. Yeah, right. He got it right. He got it right. So that's good. But yeah, it was just super cute. And we all, the little sleeves have like a little wine and a cheese. And that's my favorite part. I love it. Yeah, I know. I, I'm obsessed. Shout I was out like, to Greenwood Designs. Yeah, shout out to Greenwood Designs. She apparently is a listener too. Um, so she was excited to help my brother out, I guess. So yeah, we appreciate Yay. it. We love them. So thank yeah, you, so thank nice. you, thank you. Seriously, so nice. the best surprise. It was like, yep. I was like all emotional about it. I don't know what's happening <laughs> to me. Next step is selling them to you guys. <laughs> Just yeah, <kidding>. right? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, no, not kidding. Anybody want a shirt? <laughs> uh, my mom did ask if she could buy one. <laughs> oh. Um, Greenwood Designs offered. She offered if anybody wants shirts that she will make more. Ruined it out there. Into cool. the universe. Ooh. All right. Uh, Megan, what's your cheese? It's actually, my cheese is also speaking of someone who asked us when we were going to get merch. Um, <laughs> my cheese is my, my best friend from college, Erin um shout out who listens to this podcast even though she doesn't have any kids so it's probably pretty boring for her (laughs) (laughs) um she does have a cute dog who's her baby so um (laughs) she lives in san francisco so it's really hard for us to like honestly even talk to each other because our like the time difference is kind of really inconvenient because like whenever she's out of work and like commuting home i'm getting ready for bed whenever i'm have time in the evening she's like still at work so Mm -hmm. it's really hard for us to even have a phone call so the random times that we do get to have a phone call we get to you know talk for hours it was just nice to talk to her um and you know california is like on fire apocalyptic style um so just to kind of touch base with her and see how she's doing like in all this but like you know whether it's covid lockdown because they're still they hair salons and stuff just opened like today there oh wow Um, so they're like behind us a little bit and like she's not going back to work anytime soon like at the office so um on top of that she also like she said the air quality is so awful there that um they have to keep all the windows closed and then for like an hour at night the air quality is okay enough to open your windows to get fresh air and then close them back up again oh my god so i seriously feel like we're in handmaid's tale just like i know (laughs) well because she like she was gonna come um try to make it to the baby shower but we decided like that was not really safe for anybody or for them to travel and whatever 
just for a baby shower. And so we were like, when the world just implodes, or not even the world, but the United States just <laughs> totally implodes. I think she put it as other countries are saying, let's cut off that limb while we can. <laughs> not to get political, but she, we just decided we're either going to like meet in Montana and like have a ranch, which is really not either one of our thing. But, or maybe go to Canada. So very hands made tail-ish. But uh, it was just nice to commiserate with her about separate sides of the country. But yeah. yeah. So that's my cheese. Getting to talk to her. Blessed Aww. be the fruit. <laughs> Under his eye. <laughs> People are going to be like, is this a cult? <laughs> Wait, my favorite story is. My, I think it was my mom. Sorry, mom. I'll decide later if we should cut this or not. But uh. <laughs> she started watching Handmaid's Tale, and she was like, whose is I? Because you know what? <laughs> under his eye. She thought they were saying under his eye. <laughs> so uh. <laughs> she was like, who is that? No, which, oh my God. you know, it is hard to like listen to that show sometimes because the, I feel like other voices are like an octave too low to hear anything. So we'll just give her that. But we like to, funny. um, I used to watch that show with one of our friends and we would then refer to our significant others as like Phyllis of Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I should bring that back. I told you I wanted to be a handmaid for Halloween. Come on. Yes. <laughs> Oh my god, Megan. <laughs> I'm going to imagine the showing up to size. School? Yeah, it would be perfect. <laughs> Other pregnant people are like, I'm going to be a pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm going to be a dystopian slave <laughs> or whatever she is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. essentially. All right, Brooke, what's your cheese? My cheese is has to do with Shay's um, early intervention evaluation that we had a couple weeks ago, which I haven't actually shared on the podcast, but I shared on um, the Instagram when it was my takeover week that Shay was getting evaluated for early intervention because I had some concerns about her um, communication. She doesn't really say a ton of words. She definitely tries to communicate, though, um, with like sign language and stuff. But her pediatrician put in um, a referral to the what child development services. Is that what CDS stands for? Mm-hmm. And um, well, we thought it was going to take months for her to get picked up, and it took a week. So um, so we got her evaluated just to see what would happen. But her test results came back, and pretty much everything checked out really well, except for in her communication area, which is where I kind of had concerns anyway. Um, part of this, I thought, I almost made this my wine, because the thing I didn't like about it is her receptive language is what scored her really low, and, like, receptive is, like, being able to follow directions or no um like how to receive information from somebody and then process it and that scored really low and I had no concerns there and her expressive communication which is like telling people what you want was a little bit low so I was like kind of confused about that but we have our um like treatment plan meeting on Friday so I'm gonna ask them a little bit more but overall she did really well for being 17 months and having a zoom evaluation that took forever um so it was good I mean I'm glad we got the results and I'm glad that I know how to read those types of evaluations because I think it can be really confusing for it was actually very clear-cut 
Um, so I think it wouldn't be horrible for somebody else to have to read it, but it made sense to me and I knew what I was looking for. So I am happy about that as well. So well, that's good. So even if, I mean, maybe the scores weren't super accurate because of the whole zoom thing, but if they are, then that's awesome that she's going to get the help she needs right away. Right early is, on. Yeah. Yeah. Is, I mean, I'm not totally opposed to it. I know the importance of early intervention anyway. So, and like the only thing I'm apprehensive about is I'm pretty sure the speech sessions will all be virtual. Mm. Oh. <laughs> so like part of me wants to be like, is it going to be worth it? Cause I just don't know how successful that's going to be. I'm willing to try, but is it really like worth all the time and, paperwork and everything that we're going to have to fill out to get her started and then do like two sessions and be like, eh, this isn't working for us. So we'll see. I'll, I'll keep everybody updated. But um, luckily, like I said, I kind of have experience in this field and know what to look for and what to do. So I'm, I was just going to say, happy. I'm like, she's actually really fortunate to have a parent who works in a field associated with that. So it's probably also why we already got the referral because right. <laughs> <laughs> other parents might not know to bring that stuff up. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it's good in that way, too. But sometimes it causes me more stress because you know how they say, like, you, like, look for things because you, like, see them. Yeah. And, like, isn't it? Don't people say that, like, a psychologist children are, like, actually really fucked up because their parents are psychologists kind of thing? Like. It's kind of like, oh, my sister is like a reading specialist, but she thinks her son is dyslexic. <laughs> so like, oh, like do, we, so. do we look for these things or, right. you know, so it is what it is, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, either way, I think speech, I thought I kind of want to be a speech therapist anyway. So it might be interesting to yeah, just sit in on sessions and stuff. But uh, why don't we jump into... Our topic. So like I said earlier, we're talking about mental health, um, which I feel like we've touched base upon a lot on like every podcast episode that we've had so far. Um, but we're going to kind of go in more in depth with all of our stories and just different things that we've been through. Um, and I think like less about self-care because we already did that episode and more yeah. just about actual more l- more like experience, less preachy, even though it's probably going to end up being preachy. But because that's what we do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're also like explaining to you what you're going to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just listen to it? Uh. <laughs> okay, just... Everybody shut up. Tell your stories. Let's that was the table there. of contents. And now. All right. Now the introduction. Well, I <laughs> write this. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. No. <laughs> Sorry. Charles Dickens gives me like. Oh. <laughs> I don't think normal people have that reaction. I had to read a tale of two cities in the tenth grade because I was like, I'm gonna take honors English. Which, looking back on it, if I put any effort into it, I would have been great. But I was what are says you, the English grade? teacher, like, fifteen, <laughs> and I was like, I can't read this book. So, anyway, <laughs> those who can't do teach. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> America's educators. Yeah. <laughs> well, Megan, talking about your angsty teen self, do you want to start out <laughs> yeah, with yours? Speaking of, what I wanted to talk about when we brought up this whole topic of mental health was um, both pre-pregnancy, but also sort of like your mental health outside of motherhood. Because I think 
that, and I mean, I'm new here, so like, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but, but, um, like, I feel like sometimes once you become a mom, like, you can just get stuck in like identifying everything about you as being a mom mm-hmm. when I think that it's important to sort of think about yourself as you plus being a mom, not just like, I- I don't know. I mean, like, if you wanted to take over your identity and that's, like, who you are and, like, who you're passionate about and who you always want to be, that's absolutely fine and that's great and whatever. But, you know, if you... I I don't know. Also, I'd like to preface this with I am not a professional. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. None of us are. Yeah, none of us are. Let's just that out of the way. I think that even if you are... Like, I find myself being one of those people who, like, I just love being a mom. I really, really love Mm -hmm. it so much. But still, even if you are one of those people you still need to have your own separate life and your own separate identity regardless. Mm-hmm. As sort of like being, like if you're in a relationship, not necessarily being like dependent on them, but like being codependent, like that's not always a bad thing if you have like a good relationship, but you just can't lose yourself in it. Well, if, yeah. I mean, if you're codependent, you already lost yourself. I don't agree with you on that. But isn't that what codependency means? No, like... Then maybe I'm using the wrong word. Like you can be, you can rely on each other. A partnership that that, like leans on each other, but like some people would consider that like codependent. Oh, yeah. I think, but (laughs) sorry. Oh, the first time we ever disagreed on this podcast. That's important. I'm excited. Keep it going. (laughs) I'm over here like I don't know what that means, really. Well, usually (laughs) codependent is literally like. Uh, I can't even like put it into words. I think but that I get- we're calling the same thing. Yeah. Like I think we're thinking of the same thing, but calling it different things. Yeah. Yeah. Because I get what you're saying. Like uh, as in a relationship, you can rely on each other and, and look to each other for support and need each other for support. But like codependency is usually more like <laughs> you like help each other in your like non-functional, dysfunctional way, like um, like a narcissist and an empath type of thing. I guess I see that as more like dependency. Yeah. Not yeah, like, yeah. not like sharing the, I don't know. This is Again, totally off topic. Than what neither of us are qualified therapists. Guys, I have a definition. Codependency is a behavioral condition in a relationship where one person enables another person's addiction, poor mental health, immaturity, irresponsibility, or underachievement. Then I have the wrong word. Yeah. Is there another word for like... A healthy relationship? Right. <laughs> yeah, but it has something to do with like dependency, but it's like, is it like interdependency? Oh, probably. Oh, maybe. That yeah, I'm yeah. Of? Is that a thing? Interdependency. Dependence of two or more people or things on each other. Well, let's just say that like the sense. economic yeah. interdependence of the two nations. That's our example. But I'm glad I didn't. I don't want to use like the wrong word. I think I was thinking of interdependency, not codependency. I just don't want people to listen and be like, "Oh, it's good for me to be in this codependent <laughs> yeah. relationship." It's good for me to be with someone who's enabling my cocaine addiction. <laughs> oh. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, this is why you shouldn't it. really listen to us. Wrong word. <laughs> I just told you I couldn't read A Tale of Two Cities. What do you want from me? (laughs) All right. Anyway, so I think that outside of motherhood, you have to think about your own mental health. And something that I really think is important to talk about, too, is that everyone has mental health. Like, Mm. I I think that sometimes as a society, we see when you say, say the word mental health, you instantly think like someone who's dealing with depression, someone who's dealing with anxiety, like that kind of stuff. But everybody has 
mental health you have to take care of. Mm-hmm. And, like, it fluctuates. Sometimes it is disordered. Sometimes it is unbalanced. But, um, personally, I think, like, we owe it to ourselves to take care of it like we do our physical health. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, like, for me, like, Brooke even said, like, speaking of your angsty teenage self, like, I <laughs> <laughs> honestly, my entire adult life, or really from, like, being a teenager on, I've definitely dealt with, um some like mental health disorders, I guess you could call them, you know, like depression and anxiety. And I mean, I still do. Um, and it definitely was worse when I was in my probably like really early twenties because I wasn't treating it as, Oh, if I break my arm, I have to go to the doctor and get it fixed. Like I wasn't treating it as that. Mm -hmm. And so I think like my story is just sort of living kind of a miserable life and time and kind of being really destructive in like relationships and to myself and whatever. And that was really because I wasn't treating it like a piece of my health that I had to like take care of. Right. So um, I guess that without going into like too many details, I guess that's my story. Um, But I was going to ask you though, what made the difference in your mindset of, needing to treat your mental health like you would your physical health or like when did you realize that you should like do things differently because I think a lot of people get stuck in like a certain mental health issue or like you know and they do the whole like like the perspective of their mental health isn't really something that they need to work on and so like people will be stuck in these cycles and and then they'll never do anything to like fix it or get out of it or change it or whatever like do you know like when you decided you wanted to make a change um I think it was actually it was actually sort of like a big breakup in my life that kind of made me um like realize that and I think maybe realize that I don't know coping by like punching a guardrail is probably (laughs) not the healthiest way to yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, I, well, yeah, I was just like, realized how angry I always was. And like, that's not yeah. really fun at all for right. like anybody, like either around me or for myself. This is right before my senior year of college. So I said to myself like, oh, maybe I need to, I think I just got better educated on taking care of your mental health. So I was like, well, I think I'm going to go see a therapist and maybe like get on meds. Right at that time was when I like went through that traumatic breakup or whatever. But to be honest, it is a cycle that you can get stuck in because I did that and I like went to see a therapist, but I literally like lied to her every single week. Like, it was not Mm -hmm. helpful. That was one of the things I wanted to talk about is, like, I am literally – I tell everyone to go to therapy all the time, but I suck at therapy. Like, I will be having the worst week, crying all week, like, being in the shittiest mood. I can think of everything that's bad in my life, and then I show up in my session – and, and then I'm you're like, like okay. everything's fine. Yeah, I'm great. I can't think of anything bad that happened. Yeah. Like, why do I do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, like another thing I have written down here is like you have to do the work. Yeah. Um, it goes way beyond just like self-care, which is obviously important and all that kind of stuff. But to get to that place of knowing what you can even do for yourself for self-care is 
putting in that work, whether that be some kind of med management for you. Like I've had Mm -hmm. to try different meds to see if they worked for me or not. Um, You know, and maybe even doing talk therapy, but that takes work too, because you have to one, be with someone who you feel comfortable talking about things to. And Mm -hmm. two, you have to like, and I still even struggle with it sometimes. Like now I'll be honest, it's telehealth now, but still. Um, it takes work because it's not like something where you magically go there and be like, I'm angry this week. Give me some magical cure. It's more about like talking through stuff and being honest. And I think the best piece of advice that I actually got from that therapist who I never (laughs) really listened to or was ever honest with at all. Like I literally was (laughs) like, I'm going to go to therapy for the summer and then senior year is going to be great. And senior year (laughs) of college was literally like, I've never been so depressed in my whole life. And so (laughs) um, you have to put that work in. And she said, the thing about therapy is that if you go to the friends and family that care about you, who are your support system, if you go to them to talk through things or even like talk about your own um like your own like self-talk like how you talk to yourself even if you go to them to talk about that stuff they're not unbiased Mm -hmm. they want to they love you and they care about you and that's why they're your support system but they want to fix you right like you need someone who's going to all judgment aside like yeah they want to help you because that's like their job but ultimately they don't need you to be a certain way to fit into their life and they don't have like a therapist isn't scared to like hurt your feelings a little bit or like tell you the truth or make you think about things in like a different way or yeah yeah and friends and family kind of like they're most of the time their way of helping you is by telling you what you want to hear not necessarily what you need to hear yeah yeah right Yeah, so I just think that it's not easy. It's not going to magically go away. And I think that at some, at least for me, like it had to factor in when I made the decision that I wanted to become a mom. Mm -hmm. And I think that it was something that I had to like sit down and be like, okay, am I at a point in my life where this is a good idea? I'm in the right headspace. I have the right supports, whatnot to do this. Because if I don't, then things are just going to be worse, probably. Speaking of interdependency, I guess it's called. (laughs) I'm not in a codependent... Well, maybe I am. He does literally all the housework. But anyway. (laughs) He's feeding into your bad habits. Yeah. Of me not doing shit. (laughs) Uh, But, like, I have someone who recognizes that this is something I struggle with and it is a process and I have to do the work and like supports me in doing that. So yeah. I think that that was also like a piece that, you know, he he's like excited for me to like go to therapy, even though right. he's not someone who's ever had to do that in his life. That's not like how he deals with his own mental health and stuff. Um, Cause he's lucky and he <laughs> hasn't had a chemical imbalance, but <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, just kind of making sure that you have your ducks in a row, I guess, is my point. Pay attention to it and know that it's a process and it might never have an end. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's helpful for everyone to hear, too. I think also, like, super relatable. Yeah, 100% relatable. I think a lot of people get stuck in not wanting to do the work. Like, Mm -hmm. you were saying, like, it's hard work. It's not fun to do. It sucks, like... 
having to process things that maybe you don't want to process or realize like the shitty things that you've done or the mm-hmm. shitty parts of yourself <laughs> that you need to work on. Yeah. But and so I think a lot of people don't want to deal with it or address it. Oh, or like sometimes you'll leave therapy being like, yeah, I can do this. And then sometimes you'll leave being like that. I felt like that was a good session, but why do I feel so shitty? And you mm-hmm. still have to like deal with it when you're out of it. You can't just like go in, come out, go in, come out. So right, yeah, yeah. Or you leave therapy like, wow, I didn't realize how shitty of a person I am sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got to reflect on that. Uh-huh. And I feel like it's a good segue into what I'm about to jump to too, because you actually made me kind of jot down some notes while you were talking. So um, I, shocker, I'm going to talk about infertility because <laughs> I was lucky enough at least to um, to not have postpartum, um, at least not like severe postpartum depression or anxiety. I definitely, my anxiety has definitely spiked since being a mom, but I, I kind of feel like that's just like mom things and not uh, like clinical, at least where mm-hmm. I'm at. Um, but... My biggest struggle in my life dealing with po- or dealing with mental health in general was definitely going through infertility, and that was uh, definitely my biggest struggle. But also, like listening to you talk, Megan, the, the notes that I was drawing down was like uh, that was my shift, my biggest shift in realizing that I need to focus on mental health. So, like you were talking about, you went through a breakup. I feel like infertility was like that thing for me mm-hmm. that I had to like actually focus on myself because. I've, I'm, I'm most of the things I'm going to bring up. I feel like I've brought up a lot in this podcast already. Um, but infertility is so isolating too. So it's like you almost have nothing to do but focus on yourself and focus on the way that you're coping with things. And I think a lot of times people, I mean, I don't know how to put this because I struggled so, so much, but I think sometimes it completely breaks people or breaks marriages um, and things like that. If you like how we were saying, you can just like not want to deal with it. And so you just kind of ignore it. And I feel like that's when things like that really like break down also like all the things around you if you don't actually stop and focus on yourself. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll just talk about my experience as much as I can. I don't know. So I feel like infertility itself is just like such a roller coaster. So it's going to like take a toll on your mental health regardless. So I mean, just as before I even dive in, like I don't, I never had like diagnosed depression or anxiety so sometimes I feel like a phony when I talk about like severe like mental health things like this because I wouldn't I was never put on medication um I've definitely feel like I've had like depressive episodes and this was definitely a huge depressive episode but because it was like situational mm-hmm. I don't feel like it was a like I don't know am I correct in this but I don't feel like it was like a chemical imbalance like I couldn't help it, it was a situation that was making me depressed does that make well, sense? well and I think it makes sense to what Megan was saying that like it's your mental health. Like either way, you, you have to take care. Right. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And like you have to take care of it. And if you if you don't work on those things, then it just gets worse. Like I also sort of feel like, and I feel like I've brought this up to you before. And like I don't know if I'm correctly using this, but I think that dealing with what you went through some is a trauma. You know whether yes, yeah. yeah. that's true. It just is. So I think that you have some sort of traumatic. That's COVID. true. And I actually was going to even mention like the kind of like PTSD yeah. piece of things too. I'm like, I've, I'm validating myself. I feel like I have a right to feel everything that I feel, but I just want to put it out there that I've never been on meds, you know, and I've never been like diagnosed with whatever. So I, I sometimes feel like I don't 
I can't, I don't want to say like I was depressed because I don't think I had depression. Mm. You know what I mean? So just, I just want to put that out there and keep that in mind. Cause I, I don't know what it feels like to have clinical depression. But Does in the same sense, sense right. like I haven't had to deal with like PTSD, you know what I mean? So I think you're coming at like a different angle. Right. Yeah. Or infertility. Like we've never had to deal with that sort of thing. So that's true. I guess I just, what, the same. I guess, well, you know, like when people like, you know, throw out the terms like OCD, right, yeah. like and being like a really, joke, you yeah, know what I mean? Like yeah. taking it yeah. lightly. And that's yeah. kind of what I'm trying yep. to address, I guess, is like, I was definitely really, really, really low, but I don't want to say I had depression. Like I said, I like infertility in itself is just like such a roller coaster. So it's like, you are just filled like with so much hope and then you're like crashed out into the ground and then you just have to literally do it again and again it's literally cycle like based on your cycle so it's just a cycle you start the new cycle you know you get your period you're depressed you're awful then you get super super hopeful when you're ovulating and you're doing you know all like the test like you're waiting the two-week wait is what it's called when like between when you ovulate and you take a pregnancy test and you just get so excited you get so hopeful and you like overlook every little like twinge that you feel and like oh like my left nipple like tingled for three seconds Mm. on Saturday so it must mean I'm pregnant like you just look at every little thing and you overanalyze everything and then you get your period again you crash down again and it's just like that over and over and over again and then you get like little things thrown in here and there like you start like playing with yourself like oh, I saw a four-leaf clover today. So now this means, like, this is a sign. Like, this is going to be the cycle. And then you get your period. And then the next time, like, oh, now, like, I, one of my good friends is pregnant and I'm not. And then that just crashes you down. And it's just like, it's just a roller coaster is what I'm saying. So it's going to just, it's just going to beat up your mental health as it is. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like all those different highs and lows can't be good for anybody. (laughs) And in such a short amount of time, because it's literally like every 30 days. Yeah, exactly. So it's exactly. not like like you get a break from it. It's constant. Right, because you're like back on right. the hope wagon and then you have to jump off of that and then you have to... Exactly. And and then the overanalyzing leads to like so much stress. It literally consumes your life. Like, so it's almost like, it's like, it's a perseveration. All I did was like, it's all I could talk about. It's all I could think about. Like when I went to sleep, when I took showers, like especially now I was talking to Phil about this, like how we're diving into it now and I'm going to touch base on like the PTSD piece of things. But like also it's very different because I have so much distraction in my life. Like I at least have Isla and like my days are just so busy and crazy. But when you don't have kids yet and you're going through it, you just, it's all you can think about. It's all you Mm -hmm. like live, breathe. You can't leave the house without seeing a baby. You can't, or a pregnant person and you can't turn on the TV without seeing, can't go on Facebook without seeing 20 pregnancy announcements. I was going to say, you cannot leave it. Social media had to play a piece into it. It was, it was torture. And then it's, and then you feel guilty. Mm -hmm. Like so much. If you go into any infertility, like group, like Facebook group, whatever, every single post in that group is, my best friend is pregnant and I like am so sad, but I wish I didn't, I know I need to be happy for her or my sister is pregnant. And like, what do I do? Because like, I don't even want to look at her, but like, this is such an exciting like time in her life. Like it's just so much guilt. And that's, I ended up going to therapy. Like, I mean, I am a big believer that everyone needs therapy. Like I want to put Isla, the second she starts talking, I'm like, let's throw in therapy. <laughs> let's, let's work on, on everything we can. But, and I took infertility to get me to go to therapy, which 
I think I needed to have like that, like how to say it, but like I need to have like that big event that pushed yeah. me there. You know what I mean? Even like an I, epiphany. Like, yeah, oh, I, I needed that to catapult me into this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I need to, I think I needed to have like a reason like, oh, I'm going to fertility. So now I can have therapy where before I could have easily to use therapy regardless. But um, in therapy, she was like a, and I actually went to a therapist that specializes in infertility. And she always says like, you are allowed to have two separate feelings. Like right. you, just because you have one does not mean you can't have the other. Like you can be happy. So like, I'm just going to uh, put it out there. Like Brooke got pregnant in the middle mm-hmm. of us trying. And it was very, very, very hard for me. And I was like, I am so happy, but I'm so sad. Like it didn't make sense. And she's like, you're allowed to have two separate feelings. Even if they feel like yeah. opposite feelings, Right. you are allowed to have them. And like, that's why I just think therapy is like such a big deal. Like someone needed to like tell me that. Mm. And not somebody that you know. Right. And it makes you feel <laughs> right normal almost when you are like having some kind of conflicting thing like inside of you for someone right. to be like validation. And she was, I mentioned this in the podcast before too. Like she was, it's so funny because like you hear people say things and you're like, well, duh. Right. But like when, when yeah. they say that, yeah. you know what I mean? It's so she, she was the one who told me too, like, um, you know, just like let yourself feel your feelings. Like you're really, really upset. So be like, hey, I'm upset. Yeah. Yep, I'm upset right now. And that's just the way I feel. Instead of being like, I'm an asshole for feeling upset. It's not fair for me to feel upset. I need to be happy for this, that, and the other, whatever. So um, those are like the two, one of the two biggest like takeaways I got from my time in therapy. And it was super That helpful. also reminds me, and I think we brought this up, that I, I'm probably going to call it a different name than, again, than it, <laughs> what it really is, but like the idea of like toxic pox- positivity, um, yeah. where yes, you yep. like are feeling those conflicting feelings, but then you feel like you have to tell yourself like, nope, I need to look at the glass half full kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. Right. Which yeah, is exhausting. Actually- I just saw a perfect example of that um, on my Instagram. Somebody invalidating your own experience because someone else has it worse. And it's like a picture of that person like throwing it into the trash because like Mm -hmm. your emotions are your emotions no matter the situation. Like I feel like people tend to be like, oh, well, this person had it worse, so I can't feel this way. I need to be more positive. I'm lucky that I had it this way or I'm lucky that I could do this or that and – like, it goes right. both yeah, ways. For sure. Right. So, like, the guilt, basically, is what I was saying. So, that was, like, I think one of the biggest things for me to work through was, like, I don't have to feel guilty for feeling the way I feel. And eventually, like, I think I mentioned this also in a previous episode, but, like, I, we just got to the point where, because it's just so many, like, up and down cycles that we just find, like, I got to the point where I just had, like, no hope. Mm-hmm. Like, you just, it's exhausting. Like, you don't, there's no point of, like, that toxic positivity. I had no positivity left in me I couldn't like lie and be like I mean you hear so many things your time will have like it will happen when the time is right and she's waiting for you and blah 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 and like every time someone told me that I'm like okay fuck off like I just I want a baby now I don't want a baby in a year it's that whole idea of like you can't pour from an empty cup like you gave everything you had so like what else did you have right to give right Mm -hmm. and that's Exactly. And I really felt like I had like nothing. So by the time um, we finally did IVF, I just, I really had nothing in me anymore. We had, we did three IUIs, two of them ended in, um, it's called a chemical pregnancy. Did I explain this? I don't think you did. I don't think so. 
I did want to address this because I feel like, so we had two chemical pregnancies and I think people think chemical pregnancies like aren't real pregnancies, but all it is is just a really early miscarriage. So it's still a pregnancy. It's still a miscarriage. Um, like I feel, I don't really consider myself like, you know, I don't consider Isla like a rainbow baby because they were chemical pregnancies, but they but, really yeah. were miscarriages. So it's contradicting, <laughs> but um, basically it's called a chemical pregnancy because the baby is so small, you can't see it on ultrasound. You can only um, confirm pregnancy based on the chemicals mm -hmm. in your blood, like the HCG hormone. So right. um, just want to like throw that out there. But yeah, so we had two of those. So we got pregnant. And then when I went for my blood tests, um, the numbers were going down instead of up, essentially. So um, anyway, so by the time we had done IVF, like I was just like, even if it's positive, like I don't trust the positive, like it's just, right. and then I was just so anxious. So when we finally got the positive, I was so annoying. They have like a portal for the fertility clinic and I was literally messaging them. Like you, like you take like, I don't know, three pregnancy blood tests. And they just make sure that your numbers are doubling. Um, and I was like, uh, can I come in again? Yeah. Uh, can I come <laughs> again? Can I come in again? And they were so understanding. Like we understand your history. You can come in as many oh, times as you want. Awesome. So I took Aww. like 50. <laughs> yeah. They were super understanding, but I took so many. <laughs> I got, it's funny. I went into this literally so anxious about blood draws. And then here I am like, can I have more blood draws, please? <laughs> <laughs> Take all my blood. <laughs> but, um, but then that anxiety piece, like feels like that's where I was just so anxious about the numbers. I took so many pregnancy tests just to make sure that the lines got darker. Um, we have a friend who was like, very fertile <laughs> and she's always like just take the digitals why do you waste your time I'm like you don't understand a digital like I need to see how yeah. dark the line gets and the digital can be positive but could still be like or it could say <laughs> negative it's because I didn't have enough of the hormone in me but a line test would show a line so like I it's ridiculous but when I found out that I was pregnant which actually Mandy was the first person sorry that I texted because <laughs> I like didn't <laughs> no that's okay <laughs> I didn't well, because I was like, she's an expert at reading these. And it was like the <laughs> faintest line. And I was like, is this like, is this what it's supposed to look like? But then like after, <laughs> like I had known that you had done that. And I took like a ton, every day I took a pregnancy test to see like the lines or like the, mm -hmm. I took digital ones too. I did the yeah. same thing. Because it's just. Mm -hmm. that in itself is anxiety ridden when you want a baby and mm -hmm. you and you get the positive test so I can't imagine like having to go through that and having that trauma of seeing it go dead the other way exactly having to continue to be like okay like I hate this saying so much but like pick yourself up by the bootstraps and try again like that's just yeah. the right one, like it, it's a trauma but that's it is. Yeah. And that's why I'm so like, cause that's what happened is we got a test and then the next day it'd be darker. And then the next day it got lighter. So every morning I would get up and pee on that stupid test. Like I'd always be like, please be darker, please be darker, please be darker. And I'm just so terrified to do this again and start peeing on sticks again. There's been a couple times where, um, we just got hopeful. Like maybe we just naturally got pregnant and I would just take a pregnancy test. And even though I knew, like our chances of getting pregnant naturally are pretty much 0%. And I knew that it was going to be negative. And it's still just peeing on that, like dipping that stick in my just cup like of pee. Waiting. Just yeah. like, oh, it's just so much like, like, I don't know, PTSD yeah, around absolutely. it. So I'm not looking forward to that piece of this at all. Um, just remember, like, if it does get tough, you have your therapist that you can always call back up. Because like Megan said, mental health cycles and it might be a hard time for you. 
Yeah, right. Fluctuation. I know. I think it. I feel like it's important to always remember that there are like things that you can go back on if things don't work out or whatever. Yeah. I mean, mental health, health. I, re- I literally wrote down <laughs> that sometimes progress isn't always about moving forward at full speed. Sometimes you have to go back and revisit. And so I think mm-hmm. that for you having to deal with like, honestly, I'm just going to call it post-traumatic stress disorder because I feel like that's what you're going through. Again, not a professional, mm-hmm. can't actually diagnose her. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet there is, if there's not already, there probably is going to be, because they're a lot more open about PTSD diagnoses. And, you know, it used to be only people who, like, went to war or right, whatever, but, but now they're being more open to, like, kids who witness trauma or, like, people who have gotten into bad car accidents. And I guarantee mm-hmm. you there's probably going to be a PTSD, like, specifically around, like, infertility. And, like, loss. Miscarriages. And, yeah. Loss. Yeah, like, all of that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I'm sure. And it's it's so easy to, like, dis like, since we haven't been even thinking about baby number two until recently, to, like, distance that. And it really... It just seemed, it's so funny, like, when you move past something, you're, like, you look at it in a different light. Like, I mean, talking about it now, I'm, like, thinking back to how hard it was. But, like, I ended up talking about it in a more positive light. Like, I even wrote here on my notes, like, in hindsight, like, I, and that this is true. Like, I am grateful for going through that because I, one, like, we talked about in the beginning, like, that was, like, my switch to, like, really focus on my mental health. So I needed that in my life. But also, like... I don't think I would be the mom I am today. Like, I don't yeah. think I would like, mm-hmm. which I mean, I know like people who didn't go through infertility are still great moms, but like, I just, I feel like I soak things in differently and I like mm-hmm. just really appreciate things yep. differently. I still have hard days and it's still, that's a big thing in the infertility or post infertility, I guess you could say world where people do have babies. They feel like they need to like love every moment of yeah. motherhood yeah. and pregnancy. It's like that toxic positivity of like, yeah, like I've worked so hard for this. I want this so bad. Why am I not in love with it? So like, that is a big piece of it, but it does really make me like stop and reflect on everything and just like be like today, like today as we're recording, this is Isla's first birthday. And I'm just like, Oh, I can't believe everything we went through. Like, it just makes me like really appreciate things. Right. It's like, Holy shit. Look at how strong you are to go through that. And now you can look back. Yeah. And like, I don't know. Wow. I went through something that made me stronger. Right. And I truly, again, this is my personal experience. I know that this doesn't happen for everybody, but for me and Phil, like I feel like we were not in a bad place in our marriage, but like we are, like three miles past, like we are just so in such a good place in our marriage. You're codependent. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> no, but I feel like it really, really helped us in like so many ways. Like we needed to go through something like deep in dear to realize how much. Yeah, which I know that for a lot of people, like that doesn't work out that way, unfortunately. So like, I think that happens with like. Marriage Any trauma, trauma in general. Yeah, yeah, you know, like I work with a lot of like the statistics for um, people getting a divorce after having a child with like special needs or a diagnosis of mm-hmm. some sort are really high too. Not saying that like to like take away from what you're saying, but I think no, no, I think relationships it, it kind of does make or break, yeah, for sure. What, what direction you're going in, so right. So and like I think in hindsight, like your, your focus of m- your mental health 
probably helps that. Like Right. Yep. In hindsight, like I, I honestly am grateful, but like in the moment, it's terrible. And I'm just I'm so scared to like go through it again and like be stuck at that terrible piece again. But I also feel like you know now that you have Phil as your support system and it's not a faulty support system. No. Right. And it's a little like he's here. So when we were going through like the hardest part of everything, uh, he was away for work in San Diego. So yeah. it's it will be nice to have him here. But despite going through all that, I got very lucky in the sense that I like I was terrified of having postpartum depression just because I knew how hard it was feeling so depressed throughout this. And even my therapist warned me that People with infertility are more likely to have postpartum mental health problems. Um, so I was just like, just waiting for it. I felt like it was like going to creep up on me. And I just got really lucky in a sense that, I mean, obviously I had bad days. I definitely cried, <laughs> trust me, but um, I definitely wouldn't label it as postpartum depression. So um, I was going to say thankfully, yeah. but definitely not thankfully. <laughs> but we have Brooke here to be the voice of postpartum depression. You're welcome for you guys. You really I took a this, bullet there for us. I did this for you and the podcast. <laughs> Content. I had no idea we were going to have a podcast at that time. And honestly, <laughs> in that time of my life, I would probably be like, no, no way. Uh, but it's kind of like you, Mandy. Like, I feel like, I mean, I've always been very um, pro taking care of your mental health. And I started my mental health journey very early on. Um, so, but I think... Like, it was kind of more of a catalyst. Like, now I want to talk about it more. And I think it makes me a better person. And I just want people to know that they're, like, not alone and their experiences are not weird. Because I felt like... I feel like they're... Like, let's just address it. Like, there is a stigma around mental health and issues. Like, having issues Mm -hmm. with your mental health. So I think that's important to... Yeah. Well, I mean, just like in any movie that you watch, I mean, if you've ever watched Girl Interrupted, like that movie's fucked up and it's about girls on like a psych ward. And I mean, granted, there are people out there who have mental health issues like that, but a lot of people who have been in like psych wards and stuff are just people who are struggling. Um, But I mean, I'll just kind of start. I have like a ton of notes that I took. This is like the most prepared I've been for any episode, if that (laughs) tells you anything about my passion for mental health. Um, And I think the reason I'm so like passionate about it is just because I've I've struggled with anxiety pretty much my whole life. If you listen to some of the other episodes, I talked about like uh, thinking that I needed to pretend I was a doll when I was really little (laughs) so people wouldn't steal me. It's not funny, (laughs) but I have to laugh. It is looking back hindsight. It, I mean, it is kind of funny, but it's messed up if you really look at it. But when I was in high school, I real like my anxiety got really, really bad. Like it, I was like putting on a front. I don't think anybody knew I had like any anxiety, but I was like having panic attacks in class, but not knowing what was wrong with me. So luckily, I'm so grateful that my mom, I finally like opened up to her and told her what was going on. And she made me a doctor's appointment and made sure like health wise I was okay. And then I went and started seeing a therapist. So I think I was 18 when I started therapy. Um, and there was like that stigma of like, ew, I don't want to go. And it was like this awful experience. Cause the lady was like, how are you feeling today? Like just her voice was <laughs> awful. And like, 
she played like calming music in the oh, background what? but honestly it was <laughs> life it was life changing and it was so good and I went into it thinking like you're a freak but I learned so much and I loved it so I mean just my background like I just knew like part of the reason I was always a little bit nervous about ever getting pregnant and having a baby is I felt like I was at a higher risk of getting postpartum depression um, or even postpartum anxiety. So I, I put it off for a long time. That was one of the reasons, like, I think I've even joked, like, I'm probably gonna go crazy after I have a baby. And I was also scared, like, if something went wrong, I wouldn't be able to mentally deal with it. And that would be like my breaking point, And I would just like lose it. I totally feel that like right now, like, I even, yeah, like, being yeah, like, it's along. I'm still like, it's yeah. scary. I, I still have times where like, what if something were to ever happen to Shay? Like, I don't, no. I'm sure you're gonna feel that way for your entire life so yeah exactly so mm-hmm. actually I think uh the bird's papaya posted something like that today um just saying that you're always worrying about your kids and uh just being present in the moment but anyway um so I mean like I said my whole life I've struggled with anxiety and I think I've had like bouts of depression I just never was really diagnosed with that but I've been on and off meds like we said, mental health kind of cycles and sometimes you need more support and sometimes you don't. So I've been like on and off. Um, I did get off meds when I was pregnant. Um, and I think we were talking about this earlier, mm-hmm. Megan, and you said that you were like the most like regulated you've ever been. Yeah. And that was me when I was pregnant. Like pregnancy was one of the things I was so scared of, but the whole time I wasn't on any meds and I was so, I mean, don't get me wrong. There was definitely moments of I think I threw a remote at our bedroom wall, but I was like (laughs) 35 weeks pregnant and Shane wouldn't massage my feet. So (laughs) yeah, I still like, I was scared to get off of my meds because also it was like, we had been quarantined for a whole month at that point. And like, I just felt like what an awful time to do this, like to get off of my meds and all that. But like you said, like, I still don't get me wrong. Like, I'm still pretty moody, because, but I think that's just, like, right. me being pregnant, because then three seconds later, I'm right. fine, but this is probably the most, like, <laughs> what, I, like, it is what it is, kind of, like, that I've yeah. ever been, which is weird. Yeah, it's so weird. It's so weird, but, um, but then I had Shay, and it's so hard to tell, like, I, I didn't have, like, postpartum depression, like, to the extent of, like, I had no bond with Shay. I mean, I loved her, but I had a lot of, like, days of just, like, crying all day, thinking, like, why did I do this? Like, I want things to go back to the way they were, like, before I had Shay, even though I still loved her. So, so it was, like, it's such conflicting feelings to have, kind of like we were saying earlier yeah. with mm-hmm. you, Mandy, like, just being, like, I... I'm happy, but I'm also like, what the fuck am I doing? And this is so hard and I don't think I can do it. And like, I feel like postpartum is very isolating, but part of it is like, I, I don't want to say isolated myself because I still went out and did things, but I am not good at like telling people when I need help or like how I'm truly feeling about things. Like I said, with my early on in anxiety I kind of just put like a front up and I that's what I tend to do is just pretend everything's normal and fine um but it wasn't (laughs) um you know I went you know they say that you have baby blues but if you know after two weeks you're still like crying every day and you're still like having meltdowns like I had no coping strategies I 
could go from like zero to a hundred and just be like so frustrated. Shane and I fought so much, even though he was like doing his best, but I had a lot of resentment even just towards him because he was back at work and I just felt very alone, even though I didn't have to be alone. Um, which I go back and forth of like fighting with myself. Like don't, I shouldn't shame myself because I didn't get help. But at the same time, like I was kind of getting help because I was going to therapy, but my therapist sucked. And this is a perfect example of like, you need to try different yeah, people. Absolutely. So I liked her. She was so nice, but we just didn't connect. And I did the whole thing where I'd go into therapy and be like, everything's fine. We're great. I'm so happy. <laughs> and she wasn't like reading through the, didn't, like, the lines. Like, she should have like, like looked a little bit deeper. And not only that, she had like no availability. I, I saw her like once every three to four weeks oh. and that I needed more yeah. than that. And she just wasn't available. So I went like a long time without therapy. And then I had my six-week appointment and filled out the whole screening thing. I already knew the doctor was going to be like, hey, yeah, you have postpartum depression. You should probably get back on your meds. So I like literally went into the appointment knowing I needed yeah. to get on my meds. Like Shane and I talked about it. And I found a new therapist eventually. And I actually really liked her. But then COVID happened. So I don't see her anymore. Um, which again is a bad excuse because I can easily just call up and be like, Hey, I want to tell a health session. It's all my to-do list. Um, I mean, that was pretty much like just my basic experience. I think everybody experienced, and honestly, I thought I was going to have postpartum anxiety and yeah, I do have like worries and stuff, but it's not, I can manage them. Um, I think it's just because I have like a a history of having anxiety so it was like did you feel like you already here for me to did you already have like those like coping strategies from that yeah I think I just knew it was my anxiety like it's easier for me to to be like that's just my anxiety like telling me you know like tricking me to to worry about these things um and and like I said don't get me wrong I still worried about stuff but it just wasn't it wasn't at the magnitude of like my depression I guess um, yeah, I, like I was going to say, um, I think though, like I want people to know that postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety or any type of postpartum mood disorder looks so different for everybody. Like I want people to know, like, if you don't have an instant connection with your baby, like that's normal. Like I know Mandy, you say like you cried so much when Isla was born and I'm sure it's because you waited so long for her and you worked so hard and you went through so much, but like I didn't cry when Shay was born. I'm not much of a crier anyway, but like I was just more like living in the moment. Like I was happy, like, yay, she's here. We're okay. Everybody's healthy. But I was just like going along with the emotions of like what I was supposed to be feeling and doing. I don't know if that makes yeah. any sense. I I just feel like that's that's my mental health in a, a nutshell. Like I just go along with what people think I should be feeling and doing. And it's funny that you bring that up because like I can't stand when people like when we bought our house. Like people being like, "Oh, aren't you so excited you bought a house?" And it's like, well, I don't know. Like now I have this big responsibility, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And like just people like impose. Even with, like, having a baby, I don't know, just people being like, oh, so exciting. Like, I just don't do well with that because I can't, yeah, I, I can't, like, either. show, like, yes, I am very excited. And when it's just, like, Ryan and I are, like, maybe even talking to you guys, I'm like, yay, like, can't wait to, but I just have a hard time showing it to people. And so I look like I'm not excited, but really I'm just, like, in my head, like, 
well, I'm not going to be excited because yeah. you want me to be ex- like, that's really fake. Like, <laughs> it goes, it goes back to the whole, don't tell me yeah. what to do. Like, don't tell me right. how to it's feel. Like, I don't know. I think people just right. think though that like, that's how they felt yeah. about it. So, I just don't like, know how to. Everybody feels Right. I just that don't way. know how to be like, yeah, like what else do you want from me? <laughs> like, <I don't>... <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like, I hate opening presents in yeah. front of people. And mm-hmm. I also hate watching people open up presents that I get them. And I just feel so nervous. Like, how am I going to react? How are they going to react? Everyone's going to notice if I react in a weird way, right. which is anxiety. And then you um, act in a weird way because you were thinking of acting weird. Yeah. yeah. Or people really don't give a shit. That's yeah. what I need to tell myself. Like, they don't yeah. – People don't notice the things that I think they notice. So, but I think that's how it happens with like emotions and mental health. Like we think that we should be, you know, so elated and so excited for certain things happening in our lives. But you can feel that on the inside. You don't have to be showing it like on the outside all the time. I just want to jump in real quick. Going off of this is I know that I've mentioned, I feel like this is a good example of like not really knowing the way someone feels feels type of thing like I've mentioned so many times that I sob like a baby when they put Isla on my chest and I'm sure like in your head you're perceiving that as like oh Mandy like cried of happiness and I didn't but the truth is I cried a lot I did and I think it was just like this giant release of emotion but I look back on that and I regret it so much because all I did was just stare at her like (laughs) oh my god it's a fucking baby. It's a baby on my stomach right now. And I didn't say, like, I pictured being like, hi, baby. I didn't say a single word to her. I didn't speak to her for so long after yeah. she came out. It didn't feel real. And I, I, it didn't, I don't want to say I didn't have a connection or a bond with her those first couple of days in the hospital, but it just, nothing felt real. Yeah. It didn't right. feel like she was really my baby. So yes, I cried, but I didn't have this, like, look into her eyes. You're my, what, like, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. And that's what's portrayed in, like, right. movies and shows. Like, you just imagine that that's how it's supposed to go. So then when it happens to you and that it doesn't happen that way, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> I think it's just a good example of, like, it was yeah. perceived that I had that special but moment. And it was special. Head, and I did cry like a big was... baby. But it, but it wasn't exactly how things went. Talked about this to my therapist about, like, the whole, like, I have a hard time, like, showing people that I'm excited, I guess. Like, in the t- in the mm. way that you, like, expect people to be excited. Like, I'm sure mm. you guys know me well enough to know when I'm excited about something. But, like, and how I show it. But, like, if somebody else who doesn't know me as well is like, oh, aren't you so excited to have a girl? And, like, I am really excited, but, like I said, what do you want me to do? Be like, woohoo, girl, yeah! Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like jump up and down Yay! and clap every time like, yeah. somebody says but, that. Like, uh, my therapist was like, well, yeah, it's okay to react that, like, not have a big reaction because when they say that to you, you're also being like, yeah, I'm excited, but guess what? I'm also scared. I'm also overwhelmed. I'm also unsure of how I feel yet. And, like, I'm feeling out yeah. how I feel. So, like, of course it feels weird because they're demanding you to be like, how do you feel? And like, you don't right. even know. I will just have to jump in and say, I'm probably that person because I'm so terrible at like small talk. 
at like just trying to relate with somebody. So if I see someone, I'll be like, oh, are you so excited? Like I'm that person. I'm guilty of it. And I'm not trying to demand you to feel away. I'm just like, what the fuck do I talk about? I don't think there's anything <laughs> wrong with it. Like I do enjoy when people like ask me about either like the baby, the house, whatever. But like, I feel like I'm bad at it. So I make it like awkward <laughs> because I'm just like, yeah. yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm no, the awkward I, person. Like, I, I look excited. <laughs> it is. That's what it is, though. It's small talk. It's people trying to yeah. connect, and you're just like, yeah, I don't know what to say back. Right. Like that's yeah. me. I hate small talk. I hate it so friggin' much. I'm so hate bad it. at it. So bad well, at it. Okay. So, for example, I love Stacy's shirt shirts, and I uh-huh. was like so excited, but like. I didn't know if I should just keep saying I'm so excited. Right. Do I yeah. hug him? <laughs> I barely know him. He knows all about my flat nipples, but like, I I don't know. <laughs> That's like a perfect example right. of like, I was so happy and excited, but like, all I could do was say, oh, that's so Thank awesome. You. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I didn't know what else to say. <laughs> Because you're like, how do I show that? Right. I, like, yeah. even that night, because like he was so excited to give it to us, and he even messaged me. He was like, I was so excited. I was like, Aww. couldn't wait to give them to you. And then I'm like, what did I act excited right. enough? Like, Does he know how like, happy I am? Yeah. Does he know how grateful we are? Stacy, we were really happy. Overanalyze yes. everything. I just and don't know how to show it. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I could talk on and on, not even just about myself, but the importance of mental health and taking care of yourself but i think uh i mean i think we just need to also just remind everyone that this is just our own personal experiences and we're just sharing our own stories and somebody who went through fertility may have a different completely different experience Mm -hmm. than me and somebody who went through postpartum depression may have a completely different experience than brooke and of course there's also like postpartum anxiety but yeah i just want to put that out there because i think that happens a lot people listen they're like well i went through that but that wasn't my story so this is just our maybe you can relate to us you know yeah and yeah and if for some like if you want to share your story and it was something different than ours like reach out to us comment on things you know let us know because i i god jeez i'm we say this every fucking episode but we want (laughs) everybody to not feel alone and spread stories and just get the word out there that you know all about pregnancy and motherhood and all everything that comes with it so Tell us everything, please. We'll have our own therapy sessions, but you won't have to pay because we're not licensed. Because we're not professionals. <laughs> <laughs> Megan is our lawyer, actually. <laughs> well, I think even if like, even if we did, you didn't go through anything that we talked about, I feel like it's just so important for people to be aware yeah. about it. And, and you might go through something someday that you need extra support with. That's true. Or somebody you love. Right. Or who knows, like, maybe you haven't hit your point yet where you're like, oh, I should focus on this. Or, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's just important to check in with yourself. Be patient with yourself. Give yourself grace. And just do your best. And get help if you need it. (laughs) Ask for help, like I don't do. And Megan. Don't be Megan. Don't do your own C-section. Ask for help. idea. <laughs> You're talking like you know from experience. Like, <laughs> nope, it's I not just a good thought idea. About guys. It a lot and realized. <laughs> I'm glad that you uh, you really yeah. stopped to think about that one. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for listening to our deep episode again. Um, 
We, Thanks for listening to all of our problems. Yeah. It's <laughs> a therapy yeah. session for us. I hope somebody out there can relate and that it makes sense and we're not just blabbering on. It's to... something that I we care about and it's important. And I think it's super yes. important when you are also bringing human beings into the world. Yeah, for sure. That's you true. You definitely want to take care of yourself. For... And them. Especially because it's a good model for. Because I, I constantly say that Shay's fucked. Because I have anxiety tendencies or whatever. I mean, my whole family is, like, ridden with mental health disorders. So I'm starting Shay early. We already have a book all about mindfulness and deep breaths. Aww. So <laughs> we're, we're going to have her ready and prepared for a shitty life of... Oh, my God. Thought. Thank you, Oscar the Grouch. Jesus. <laughs> I'm Jesus. trying to prepare her for it. Does that? No, it's I good mean, to educate. Be. Yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, thanks for listening. Um, this week will be yeah, my you. takeover. Yeah, it'll be you. My takeover. Um, look out for maybe I'll post some mindfulness activities or something. Ooh. Um, go listen, subscribe, like, comment, share. Whatever else you need Rate, to do. review. Rate, review. All Tell that your friends. fun stuff. Spread the word. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Alrighty. Bye. Bye.